This is Security Now, Episode 7, for September 30th, 2005. Spyware. Because the web is so huge, it's you know 10 billion pages. You just can't go out there looking at every single page. You know what kind of junk is out there? Zombie machines, hackers, new worms, malicious websites, unknown zero-day exploits. Infecting people's machines with spyware is becoming a business model. Security now. Steve Gibson is on the line once again using Google Talk, although. We've got we've got evil plans afoot to uh, to create our own <laughs> client, which would be kind of cool. Welcome, Steve. Hey, great to be back, Leo. Steve started uh, uh, Shields Up many years ago as, a, as one of the first uh, security applications on the internet, and shortly thereafter, discovered something called he named called spyware. How did that happen? Right. Well, um, Shields Up was only about four or five months old, and I was sort of. You know, then involved in and getting more and more involved in the whole security on the internet space, and uh, in fact, I was beta testing Zone Alarm before it was made publicly available. The guys at Zone Labs knew of my work with Shields Up, and they liked it, and they said, "Hey, you know, take a look at this firewall." Well, what was significant about it is it did outbound blocking. That is, unlike all other firewalls at the time, um, actually, I think AtGuard was also there before, mm-hmm. but. But the idea was it would catch programs that were using your computer connection without your knowledge. And something was on my machine called TS AdBot. So shortly after running Zone Alarm, I discovered I had something that was, that was connecting to somewhere. Um, I tracked it down, and it was something that was, for, for a while, it was included in the Windows version of PKZip. Uh, PK zip for Windows that I was trying. And so, you know, it was in the early days. Well, this freaked me out because I'm one of these people who pretty much feels like he knows everything he's got on his computer. I watch my machine very carefully. So that was the first event. Then a couple weeks later, there was news of something really bad that was installing itself in people's machines. People were finding it by DLL name. Uh, it was called Oreate, A-U-R-E-A-T-E. So I created something called Optout that was the very first anti-spyware tool. And and that's where the name got coined, or, or the term spyware came out of that work. And Optout was super popular because this company, this Oriate company, was uh, bragging that they were installed in 25 million machines worldwide. And all kinds of freeware was including this thing to... The idea was that it would be like the next advertising model, just the same way that you have ads on the web. They were going to put ads in freeware applications, and so the freeware authors would get paid back by this central advertising agency. The problem is that it was profiling what you did, watching your connection, and sending this data back to them, all without the user's permission. Yeah, so, in, the, in the early days, I mean, I guess it was relatively benign. I mean, if you're going to put ads in software to support the author, and it was because shareware wasn't working very well, uh, you'd have to monitor the clicks on the ads, and you'd have to replace new ads. So it would be reasonable to have a program that did that in the background. Oh, well, and I don't, I really, to this day, I don't think these guys were ever doing anything wrong, except 
they weren't asking. Right. In fact, part of that was the reason I trademarked the phrase, it's my computer. <laughs> because more and more, it seems like people are forgetting that, you know, these are our machines, not their machines that we're just borrowing. Yes, that's right. So, that's so right. And, and exactly as you say, more and more now, of course, the, the, the scene has changed. Back then, OptOut was able to scan the machine, find these bad files, and remove them. It turns out that it, we, we got feedback that it was fixing people's computers because, for example, after running this freeware, which unbeknownst to them installed this Oriate stuff, suddenly their machine started acting strangely there, there the problem was the spyware was buggy and it was it, it was a, a browser helper object one, one of these things called a bho which ie can have attached to it which caused internet explorer to load this every time you ran ie well it was buggy and it was crashing people's machines and internet explorer so opt out by by removing the software fix these problems for people well, it turns out that, I mean, it was just a matter of removing the DLLs, and there were no other consequences. Uh, although there, there was one problem with the spyware, which would be that you would uninstall the original program, PKZip or whatever, and the, the adware would stick around. Well, now, that's exactly right. And that, that was one of my real complaints, was that not only did people not know this had been installed, but if the problem occurred, and then they uninstalled the the original application that brought this into their system the the by design this adware stayed behind the instructions from this oriate company were when you uninstall your freeware leave our components these these adware slash spyware components behind because they're they're shared components and more than one freeware utility might be using them well and to, in their defense that's not unreasonable if somebody's relying on your dll you can't assume that if you're being uninstalled nobody else is going to want you that's true although of course it had the side effect that people would would undo what it is they had done, that is, they would uninstall a program that seemed to have hurt their computer, that wouldn't make it better wow. because a piece of the program, this, this, this spyware, stayed behind. And point. it was using their machine behind their back. And that's um, the real back, bottom line. Is you sh it should be asking. It's, it is well, exactly. And, you know, when confronted with this, they said, oh, we tell our developers that they must present the user with a dialog box that mm. says this is what's going to happen. You know, and if you look at some of the software that was bringing this Oriate stuff around, you know, yeah, nine scroll pages down in the fine print, there's something about, and, you know, we're bringing some, you know, in order to offer this free software to you, we're enhancing it with ads, which are provided from the Oriate company, and then it, in order to provide the ads, it must contact the internet in order to get new advertising material to present to you, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I've tried to read those license agreements. It's not possible. Forget it. <laughs> you just say, okay, fine, whatever you're going to do yeah. to me, just yeah. fine. Click next and you go on. Well, you know, those seem like innocent days now. If you fast forward to 2005, uh, those things were, were nothing compared to what we're getting now. Oh, Leo, today 
what's happening is there's like in, in the same way that we've seen an escalation in the war between spy between viruses and antiviruses where like viruses are getting more fancy they're becoming polymorphic where they're deliberately trying they're like the viruses themselves are working not to be catchable by the antivirus software. Similarly, this, this spyware, there's a, a spyware and anti-spyware back and forth. And so, for example, spyware is is adopting technology known as rootkit technology, which is you know from the original days of hackers that were trying to install surreptitiously install stuff in people's machines that could not be found. The, the idea is that an operating system um, is sort of like the, the, the foundation of the way the system operates, and applications run on top of the operating system. And so there, there's, there, there's this inherent division between the user space and what's called the kernel space, with, with, with the kernel space being down below, doing all the work on behalf of requests from the applications. What the what rootkits do is they actually get their code down into this kernel space, becoming part of the operating system and altering its behavior. So, for example, when an anti-spyware scanner runs to scan someone's machine looking for a long list of files that are known file names of spyware that it's, that it's searching for, if spyware has beaten it into the system, gotten there beforehand, and installed this newer rootkit technology, the spyware itself can lie on behalf of the operating system to anyone who asks what's on the system. So, for example, even a user looking, doing a, a directory listing or looking at the contents of their system won't see the files. They're literally being hidden by this operating system extension. Why? Why I don't. You know, I can understand why a virus would do that. They want to hide. But what is the percentage in an advertising company doing that? Don't doesn't don't they know that that's going to? I mean, their people are going to consider them viruses, not ads. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly certainly once upon a time, you know. We were worrying maybe about cookies or beacons or or p people were annoyed just by ads on on web pages. I mean, you know the. The, the the problems that people focused on have evolved over time, and arguably, spyware has become the number one problem for people using the internet. Most typical people using the internet. There are I've got friends who are computer consultants. They now specialize yeah. in spyware removal. Yeah, I'm sure most it, of the people it, listening to this podcast know exactly what you're talking about. That's what your when your friends and family call. That's what they want you to do, basically. Right. If they're using Windows, they almost undoubtedly have spyware. Well, and I and I think that one of the reasons is that that if we were to create like a a, a distinction between what's a virus or what makes a virus and what makes spyware, the division would be that viruses have typically been created just by you know young hackers with time on their hands who wanted to see if they could do it. There was no economic motivation for them. For the virus authors, it was just a matter of, you know, I'm going to see if I can create something that will live, have a life of its own among machines on the Internet, if it can get into machines and propagate. And, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting fact that, you know, very few viruses have been m deliberately malicious. 
you know, people are finding viruses on their machines all the time. Lately, anyway. Which, Lately. Which means that those viruses are not destroying their computers. Right. The viruses are, are not being nearly as deadly as they could be. So the That's flip side of that is spyware, where there's always been an economic motive right. behind the software. I mean, from, from, from the very first moment, that, that TS ad bot that I found from a company called Conducent, this Oriate spyware, there's, there's Cool Web Search, there's Gator, there's Sidor, there's you know, a long list of, of, of economically driven installations. And I think that's one of the things that has kept the antivirus companies from responding for so long. I mean, we've had antivirus stuff for years, and it really took Microsoft to step into this anti-spyware market to, to bring the other companies around. I think because you could argue, well, maybe somebody wanted cool web search. Maybe somebody wanted Gator or Sidor or one of the things. I mean, the that's point certainly is what were... those companies argue. They say, look, people are asking for this. Is we're not spyware. We're doing what people want. We're enhancing their right. web experience. And I could see why companies would have been reluctant to, because they'd be afraid of getting sued. Gator, well, very exactly. And, 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 and in fact, um, one of the things that I did was when I started to roll up my sleeves about the problem was, was I created a list of of known and suspected spyware and immediately began getting angry letters from these companies <laughs> yeah. saying, hey, you've got us listed on your on your page of bad stuff. We're not bad. We're good. Did anybody ever sue you? Not, no, because you know that's just not a battle that I'm in a position to uh, fight. So I said, okay, fine. I will remove you uh, pending further research. Right. And what happened was the a, a great company uh, LavaSoft created essentially the 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 next in, in in line if you want to make opt out first my own little little freeware tool they came along with adaware mm-hmm. and they were out of the united states so they were you know much harder for anyone to actually sue and they created a great little scanning tool i had a dialogue with them and i said hey you know my real focus isn't on this malicious software stuff. I want to stay over on the internet security side. If you guys will promise me you'll always have a free version, I'm going to formally endorse you guys and you know turn this chunk of, of stuff over to you. And, of course, they've just been doing a fantastic job. So we have you to thank for the fact that this is free. And, and that now explains why both SpyBot and uh, uh, Adaware were originally from Germany. Uh, exactly. They didn't have to worry about the lawsuits. Exactly. Yeah, but now everybody acknowledges that, that spyware is evil. <laughs> well, as as Microsoft has now gotten into the game yeah. with their anti-spyware tool, that sort of legitimized the notion that this is bad stuff. And and people, again, you know, following my trademark phrase, it's my computer, people are saying, I don't, you know, I want a choice of whether to have this stuff installed yeah. on my computer or not. Reasonably so. And of course, you know the, the you made the point about removal, which has become such a problem. Um, one of my employees got, I think it was this cool web search or Jiffy search or some random thing uh, attached to her Internet Explorer browser. Um, my tech support guy ran the various scanners and removers. It apparently removed the file, but in the process, it des- it destroyed her internet connectivity for that machine. That's frequently the case. These things are, they've got their grips so tight on your system that removing them can often break your system. 
Yes. Well, you can sort of think of it like links in a chain where um, from the Internet to your eyes, there's a whole series of of different phases that the data goes through. The spyware installs itself as a new link in the chain in order to monitor data coming in, add its own data, and monitor what the user's doing on the way out. So it's, it's very much involved in everything going on with the internet. So when a, 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 a anti-spyware tool comes along and simply deletes the files that were part of that link, well, the chain is broken mm -hmm. because because in order to install itself, it had to make modifications to the system deliberately to to get itself in there. So when you simply delete the files that are now that the system has now become dependent upon by virtue of the installation, you break that chain, and suddenly you know this user's off the internet. So so removing this stuff has become a real problem. You simply can't delete the files. Um, some of the spyware companies have their own, you know, if you really want to take Gator or Sidor or Cool Web Search or whatever off your machine, you know, here's our uninstaller tool, which will do it. And, and generally that will function because they know how to put the chain back together without, you know, after removing that link. But um, one of the real problems, of course, now is, and this is why it takes days sometimes to get spyware off a machine, is that there's often multiple types of spyware. Spyware is now really fighting users who are trying to get it off the machine. I mean, it, it's become an escalating battle, and often you just, you, you, you know, users are, are stuck with reformatting their machines starting over. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So... Uh you can't really say there's any one way that spyware works. It works in all the different ways that viruses can work. And uh, but can you say is there is there a way to kind of prevent it? Is there is there a behavior that users should have to not get it in the first place? Spyware gets into machines because it's bundled with software, and in fact, that's become that was always the original entry vector for spyware you know just exactly as i said where i were the very early version of of pk zip for windows brought along that that conducent adware mm -hmm. this advertising enhanced spyware has been the original way stuff got into your machines and it's, in fact you'll now see download sites reputable download sites or even freeware will will explicitly say this is really really free we don't include, you know, no other stuff, no spyware, no adware, nothing bundled in with our tools because so many companies for a while were trying to do that. Is there, is there one, one kind of software that's, I mean, I know music sharing software, uh, Kazaa, for example, installs a, tends to install a lot of other stuff on your system. Is there a, a particular area that you should watch out for? Um, well, there is, there is. Downloading freeware and 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 running freeware. A lot of freeware. You want to make sure okay. that, that this stuff is really spyware clean. Okay. So I st I still think that that's generally the way people get stuff in their machine is by running software which has this 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 malware attached to it. Right. So use reputable sites. Um, you know, download.com, CNET. Um, uh, um, Snap files. That's the one I was trying yeah, to. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was drawing a blank on that. Snap files. You know, sites that really take responsibility for the quality of the software. I would say that's number one. 
in general, when systems have been really massively infected, there is music sharing software present. There's That's Kazaa, yeah. there's iMesh, or, or whatever. Whether it comes I from Kazaa itself or comes from downloads that you're doing with Kazaa. Well, I, exactly. I think that it's, it's very often it's the behavior of the people who right. are... No, they have a they, they have a, a a behavior of sharing music, and along with that goes oh let's just go get software from wherever it doesn't matter. Right. Now I mean if you if you can if you treat your computer like a toy like a little entertainment toy then that's what it's going to become. It's going to get infested with this stuff. If if your computer is a tool that you really want to keep running in good shape, you have to treat it with respect and recognize that there is just a lot of bad stuff out there. You know, I'm going to recommend internet- uh, a wonderful uh, website. There's actually two very useful websites in this area besides your own, which is spywareinfo.com and spywareguide.com. And I use Spyware Guide to look up software before I install it because they have a very complete list of programs that contain spyware. And uh, so it's a good idea to check before you install something in spywareguide.com. We'll put these uh, links in the show notes. I think that's that's great advice, Leo. How about about, uh, infection from the web? Does that happen uh, by just going to a website? Is that happening now as well? Well, yes. Um, We have the problem from, from day one that, well, I guess it wasn't one, because browsers used to be safe. What happened is that, that in, this, in this goal towards, towards making the web more seamless and, and providing enhanced services, web pages have, have, of course, not been static for a long time. They're just not you know, dead pages that, that, that you read. Instead, more and more they're doing more stuff. Netscape gave us JavaScript introduce a notion of scripting to to web pages well that was that was the first problem Microsoft unfortunately when they were uh, early on competing really ferociously with Netscape they took the technology they had which um, was um, ActiveX technology and essentially brought it to their browser so that when you visit a website at this ActiveX technology uses either the the JavaScripting or Microsoft's ActiveScripting to download code without asking you from that website and running it on your machine. Now, in a perfect world, that's very cool because it means that essentially they've granularized software and websites become application servers so you so users can do all kinds of advanced things. The problem is, as we well know, it's not a perfect world. So you can have malicious code, which is also downloaded into your machine. Just I mean, in all the same ways that we've been talking about malware getting into your machine by by piggybacking on freeware. Now, with with Microsoft's formal blessing, just going to a website that is that, that has. Um, malicious intent can install stuff in your machine, and in fact, that's the way people get these these browser add-on things. You know, and I mean, they, and they they're constantly getting them. They're getting reinfected. They go, "What do I do? How do I how do I keep from getting this stuff on my computer? I'm not installing anything. I'm just going to websites, and that's all it takes." So, how do you prevent that? Well, um, certainly not using Internet Explorer 
immediately solves this problem with ActiveX because Internet Explorer is is the only browser that is now. I, I should also Internet Explorer or any of the IE variants. There are a number of other browsers, sort of non-mainstream browsers, that are really still IE. They just put a, some different window dressing around it. For example, they'll add tabbing features or, or various other things to the IE core, but it's still really IE. So, for example, Opera, which is a completely non-Microsoft browser, or any of the Mozilla browsers, you know, Firefox, the, the Firefox, of yeah. course, being the most popular. Those, so those don't have ActiveX. You can't actually add an ActiveX plug into Firefox, which seems like a bad idea, but normally they don't have ActiveX and they don't have active scripting, which is another problem. Right. The, the the problem, of course, is that there are some sites, notably Microsoft's own, you know, Windows Update site, and and those things that still do require that you have IE. So you're probably still going to have it on your machine. Certainly, it came with. But for for most of your browsing, if you stay away from Internet Explorer and 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 you use a, a non Microsoft browser, you're not going to have the problem of this stuff getting into your machine all the time just by visiting websites. Then, so, so update, use it. Uh, that's very important too, Windows Update regularly. Use Internet Explorer for that. But then don't use Internet Explorer for anything else. <laughs> right, because the, the second way things get into your machine, the, the, the first is by formal policy. The second way is by defects that are known in browsers. There are, there are historically many faults in in Microsoft Windows browsing technology where again just going to a website that runs some scripting on your browser I mean I'm I'm just fundamentally anti-scripting there are ways we could have done most of the things we do with scripting without using scripting the problem is I mean scripting is is code it's sort of you know semi tamed, neutered code, but still code, and mistakes in that scripting technology can be exploited and are exploited so that just visiting sites can infect you by taking advantage of known problems with Internet Explorer, which most of which have already been fixed. So keeping Windows updated is the, is the way to keep those things from crawling into your system just by visiting a website. So update, use Firefox. Should you use anti-spyware software as well? Um, I, I know that most people are, and and I, so I would never want to recommend against it. I I'm you know I like to keep my system as simple as I can. The the top three anti-spyware tools that 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 used in conjunction generally find. Everything. I'm not going to say they always do because, again, it, it's 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 an ongoing battle back and forth. But but no one tool does as good a job in terms of covering the landscape as, as using multiple tools. Microsoft's own anti-spyware, which is still in beta, but clearly they're committed now to to getting into the removing this stuff market. The 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 very first. Uh, scanner that followed opt-out, which is this ad, is the LavaSoft AdAware anti-spyware, and finally the SpyBot Search and Destroy, which you mentioned. Those are the top three. Many people run all three of those from time to time, scanning their machine to make sure that nothing has gotten into their system. And all good news is all three are free, although the bad news is Microsoft has for some reason decided not to support Windows 98 and ME 
uh, on uh, with with their anti-spyware solution. You have to have XP to use it, which uh, is too bad. Yeah, the flip side is that most of the newer spyware, since the since the market has moved so strongly to the Windows 2000 XP, 2003, and so forth platform, we're beginning to see these older machines aren't getting infected because they're they're just too old. Oh, interesting. They don't have these problems. They don't have the 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 technologies that are now being leveraged against users who have them. The one, the one last thing I ought to say, because it's frankly, it's what I do, is the idea of running. And we're going to talk about this in future Security Now podcasts because I think it's, it's a. There are ways to make this more feasible, and that is locking down your browser, essentially disabling scripting completely, so that sites are unable to run code on your computer. Now. For the majority of sites you visit, that's not a problem. But some e-commerce sites, certainly Microsoft site that's trying to do active things, um, there are sites that require scripting. So the reason this is a problem is by locking down your browser, you are definitely breaking some sites that have become scripting dependent. So in Internet Explorer, they have this notion of zones where you have a, a, a trusted, you have the, the so-called trusted zone and the Internet zone. And what you're able to do is you're able to manually put the 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 web domains of sites you trust into your trusted zone. So IE will is sort of like a chameleon. It will dynamically change its settings depending upon where you go. You could, if you trust Amazon.com and eBay.com and your your banking domain and some e-commerce sites, you know, PayPal, for example. You 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 put a list of all the places you go that you trust and that need scripting in your trusted in in the list of trusted sites, and then you lock down the internet zone so that most of most sites are unable to do anything to your browser. Or you I mean, just, that's really the safest way to function. Or you just don't use Internet Explorer. <laughs> or exactly. Although, you know, to be in Isn't fairness, it? we're now seeing exploits against Firefox because it's now becoming popular enough right, right. to to be a target. So, I mean, Is it but it's 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 harder to do uh, with Firefox because you don't have the benefit of ActiveX, right? I mean, Yes, it's certainly in terms of of one thing people could do that would generally make them safer is to use Firefox. And it, Firefox is a great browser. Yeah. There are other tools that uh, modify your uh, system and, and protect you. In fact, I, I think it's important to turn on the immunization features of SpyBot, Search and Destroy, and the real-time protection in Microsoft's anti-spyware, because both of those kind of are more active in preventing spyware infections. And frankly, uh, it, as you pointed out, uh, it, once you get spyware, it can be Dang, difficult to get rid of it. Yes. Much better not to get it in the first place. In the long term, we're going to have to see some evolution of the operating system itself. The, the, the problem is we're still bringing along sort of this historic presumption that all software is good, Mm-mm. that all software is something that you want to run. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is, for now, now for you know a decade, that's not been true. Right. Viruses are software we don't want to run. M- malware, spyware, software we don't want to run. But you know that's out there now. So our operating system is still designed to run 
everything pr- with the presumption that it's good software. That has to change. And over time, you know, ultimately, that's what we're going to have to see changing. Well, Steve, I, you know, it's it's uh, unfortunately there's no you know great answer right now uh, except to change your behavior, change you know maybe change some of your software, run anti spyware. Um, do you think victory against spyware is possible in the long run? In the long run, I really do. It's gonna, it's not with as always with security. We're going to be trading off convenience for safety. Mm-hmm. You know, adding a personal firewall makes you safer because you'll know if something is in your machine trying to phone home. But it means that things are popping up. It means that you have to give applications permission to use the internet. Clearly, that's a burden. It's, it's actually it's why Microsoft hasn't done that so far, um, and the third-party firewall technologies do so so there we've had to trade off convenience of just assuming that you know all software on the machine is good for for being much more careful and safe so in the future i think we can presume we're going to see even more trade off of convenience but you know anyone who's had a real spyware infestation on their machine will say bring it on i i just i don't want the spyware <laughs> i'm willing to take more responsibility right the and the other side i should mention because uh, i don't want to leave this out it, people who are using macintoshes don't yet have anywhere near the spyware issue not that that will continue that way but uh, for now it uh, there are some anti-spyware programs on the macintosh side but they're really not necessary yeah, and and that's a good point. We're we're beginning to see Apple, you know, in the the second Tuesday of the month patch cycle, um, bringing you know. They do it more problems. often than that, even actually. They yeah, do, they do it pretty pretty regularly, but uh, yeah. but uh, most of the time their uh, their pa- their ex- exploit patches, not not specifically spyware patches. Although right. you know, I think it's only a matter of time before <clears throat> people start targeting the uh, Apple platform. I think it's a little bit more difficult to infect. Fortunately, because just like Firefox, you don't have the same kinds of. Uh, ActiveX and Active Scripting technologies. So. Right, and, and if we presume that the, that the model will be spyware and, and and viruses, viruses generally are written by by people just you know because they want to, and they write them for the machines they have. Right. Most of the young malicious hackers have Windows machines, so they write viruses for Windows machines. And frankly, there's a huge now, a base of technology for virus writing that makes that it easier. supports that creation. Now, you say viruses, but you're including spyware when you say well, viruses. Well, no, I, I was deliberately meaning viruses. Oh, okay. Be- um, because as opposed to spyware, you, you might imagine spyware would happen for computers uh, over on the Mac side because of, of, of the possibility of a real economic incentive, right. whereas viruses, I don't think so, so much. Right, right, right. Well, it's always great to talk to you, uh, Steve Gibson. We thank you for uh, all your good work and uh, for sending this information along. I know you've created a page uh, talking about spyware. And that's available online at grc.com slash securitynow.htm, as are all the back issues of Security Now, uh, both in high-quality 64-kilobit MP3 as well as 16-kilobit MP3 for those people who have slower bandwidth or smaller storage media. Uh, Steve likes to play stuff back on his palm. I think that's yes. I'll, 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 I'll mention that that um, for for people who've been following along so far, the this last week the the Security Now page got a huge facelift. We've added some more features. Um, we've always had text transcripts. Now they're also in a really nice HTML format that is easy to view, and that page is turned into a PDF. 
Um, and every single episode has show notes in this Episode number seven show notes is a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, worth taking a look at, too. Oh, that's fantastic. We thank Mark Blasco of PodcastThemes.com for our new theme. I hope you enjoy it. And, of course, America Online's podcast network, America Online Radio, uh, at AOLmusic.com for providing the bandwidth for security now. Steve Gibson, thanks. We'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it, Leo. Thanks. Thanks.